Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. That if I knew that a man, like a doctor with a driver's license, put nipples on me, I would never stop wondering, like, is this how they're supposed to look? Are they supposed to be this color? Are they even mine? Or are they like this doctor's fantasies of what nipples should look like? I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, the A League of Their Own reboot of podcasts. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer and comedian Deanne Smith. Hey, Deanne. Yeah. Oh, hi, guys. I was fully prepared. This, this is very early for a guest to come into a podcast. Thanks for having I know. me. Let's do this. I know. We're just so excited today <laughs> that we're just going right into it. We changed it up. <laughs> Usually, this is the part where we're like begging for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're telling people to join our Patreon, but we just want to say hi to you first. I also want to say hi, and I also want to say drop a review, everybody. If it's not five stars, yes. no one cares. Okay? Five stars. That's Thank it. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If you didn't believe us the hundreds of times we've asked before, believe Deanne. Uh, where are you right now? Are you in uh, in Canada? I am in a basement in Toronto, in my friend's basement. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I could tell it was Looks a basement. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Actually, it's very nice. I can touch the ceiling, but it is lovely. <laughs> the, the basement's in Canada. Top notch. And why is that? Because <laughs> people live in them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. These are the rental units in Canada. They're basements, pretty much. Welcome to Diking Out, the basements of podcasts. <laughs> I'm in a basement in Toronto. I just want everyone to know that like a cool band, I am currently underground. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we get well, into it? Yeah, let's Should we get ask gay. the question? Yeah. Carolyn, do you yeah. want to go first? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, then what's the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, the gayest thing I did this week, and it's going to be hard to out-gay this because I went to a gay wedding, and I feel like that's one of the gayer things Yeah, you can do. Hard to um, beat. I went to a gay wedding. It was the wedding of my former gaybers, uh, Lauren and Aaron. Lauren used to edit the podcast. They had uh, their wedding outside of New Orleans. Mm. Uh, which New Orleans is is pretty gay. Uh, but it was great. It was such a great wedding. Um, Sarah Jabari, who DJs a lot of the hot rabbit uh, parties in New York, was DJing the wedding because she's a, a friend of the couple. And yeah, I don't know. It was a gay old time. I mean, like the gays were the best dressed ones at the wedding, like, including... Like the brides, there were these two gay guys. One of them is a uh, a drag queen who performs as uh, Heidi Ho, and just like <laughs> I wish I could show you pictures of uh, of their outfits because they were epic, like epic wedding guests. It, they they were so 
fabulous. And then, um, you know, I, I was wearing a, a fun suit. What, what in your mind constitutes a fun suit? You say it, but I can't yeah. picture it. Okay. So like a fun suit is one, um, for me, it's a pattern suit. Okay. So it's like from, yeah, like matching jacket pants and then a pattern all over it. Is it like a wild um, fang situation? This one was my one wild fang suit and it's the one that, um, Sophie wears on the, uh, finale of season one of L Word Gen Q. And I bought it right after watching that. I can't say I know what it is. What's the what's the pattern? What's the pattern? Is it like a <laughs> it's blue floral? Blue floral. Oh, yeah. Yes. Blue floral jacket. This is incredible. Okay. Nice. So Deanne, this is why I was kind of afraid to wear this to the, the oh, wedding. As like, you should you go be. to a gay wedding, yeah. you can't wearing wild fang is a risk because you don't want to be twinning with with another gay uh but luckily i wasn't and and the thing that pushed me was the theme of the wedding they said was pastels so i had these like pastel yellow um oxfords and like a pastel purple shirt that i wore underneath i was and then the pink hair it was this just great wow I was, yeah it was very eastery i was uh an easter gay so that <laughs> uh i think that sums up my thing uh but congrats to Aaron and Lauren okay Lots of love I do have Great a follow-up question I feel like and you don't have to answer it but I feel like the okay. wedding could only be gayer if you think the couple's not gonna last <laughs> that makes it gayer, that's true I think <laughs> you know I do think that they will last I I know them well enough and i i have i have uh faith that they're gonna they're gonna make it or else it's gonna make it really embarrassing that the sister was handing out temporary tattoos that said same pussy forever um so it's like if they don't last that's like salt in the wound yeah (laughs) yikes i know I mean, they moved to Hawaii. Are they still there? They left New York and moved to Hawaii. They're going to last. They're in paradise. Like, how yeah. could you? What are you fighting about in Hawaii? Um, That's a very good know? point. That's a very good point. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. I always feel like, uh, you know, both um, my wife and I have um, some divorces under our belts uh, combined. And, you know, like, I'm like, do people worry about us? At a wedding that we're like, hmm, we'll see. We'll see if this lasts. <laughs> I think you're good reminders that it's an yeah. insane thing to do and it can go either way. <laughs> good luck, everybody. Right, yeah. right. It's where we're they're like, yeah, yeah, I know you think this is going to work out, but life throws you a curveball. No, just kidding. Yay, Lauren and Aaron. All right. Um, <laughs> let's go. Melody, uh, what's the gayest thing you did this week? I have to say, our Stonewall show last night, you know, that I missed, that you missed co-hosted it with my lover, Allie Clayton. We had a very gay host set up top. I mean, immediately Allie references the sex we had that morning. So (laughs) where do we go from there? (laughs) Like up top right away. We did a slideshow and compiled some insane text messages from her mom. Allie's mom really overcompensates how okay she is with her daughter being a lesbian by just going blue a lot of the time. Like Uh she's always like, I love you more than a vagina loves Bush, baby girl. (laughs) 
Like just, you know, like y'all look gorgeous. Ugh. I can I have one pulled up right now. I have the actual slideshow still open in a tab. We sent a beautiful picture to her mom of us on a date recently. My mom, we sent them to our moms because we look nice. My mom responds, beautiful girls, right? Allie's mom responds, OMG, y'all are hotter than the California wildfires that were actively killing people at the time. Um, Be careful wherever you go. Y'all are so freaking gorgeous. You could be abducted by one of the many deranged people who live up there. (laughs) Beauty, brains, and bodies so hot they could melt butter. Have a fantastic day and kinky sex afterwards. What? Oh, this love is my real? beautiful girls. Yes. yes. This is and this out is of just control. one of the many. And that's actually one of the more <laughs> no, I was going to say PG, but def not PG. Wow. I feel like one day you're just going to get a text that's like, was thinking of you girls, miss you, so I ate some woman's pussy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's it's headed in that direction. I was getting ready to tag the text. I thought I could bump it up by being like, it's weird that she put hashtag same pussy forever, but there's truly no way to even add to what she actually wrote. I know. We we had several. I mean, we I had to it was hard to pick enough to contain within a 10 minute host set we did go over. Um, but you know, I, we could have gone on for hours. The all she always texts us things like this and that's got to be the gayest thing. Otherwise, great show. Everyone was so funny. We had listeners. We had new people who had no idea what diking out was. That was fun and Yay. it was a great night. All right. I, I need to ask for myself and I believe for your podcast listeners, um, why did Ali reference the morning sex? What was that all about? We need to know. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're, you know, bantering up top and she's like, well, don't y'all ask each other what's the gayest thing you did? So let's do it. I was like, Allie, what's the gayest thing you did this week? And she's like, you. And then just like <laughs> launched right into it. And I did have to add on to it because it was very gay we knew we were hosting the show together we did have sex that morning so yesterday morning right immediately when we were done like everyone was finished Allie popped her head out from between my legs and just goes I'm ready for show day (laughs) 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 so she just wanted to share that I guess with uh you know 60 people (laughs) it's very funny why not yeah. I mean, she's only trying to top her mom stuff. You know, we can't. It's untouchable. Uh, maybe I'll post the slideshow on the Patreon or something. I'll send some extra slides to you, Deanne. It is crazy. I, I almost can't believe it. I believe it. But I'm I'm happy to know people like this in the world exist. I don't run into them oh, too much. Oh, yeah. I think she thinks, honestly, it's a, in her mind, part of it is that she is directly competing with her divorced husband like ex-husband Allie's dad and she thinks like I'll be the more supportive one because she'll also be like and what does your father have to say about this if we send a picture of us or something like she's she's just trying to win that little competition too so I think that's what's fueling some of these comments do you feel like she's winning is she winning Oh, yeah, she's won. And actually, she won't stop running. It's like the finish line was 100 miles back. She won't stop. She's lost. We hope she comes home, you know, like come back. (laughs) 
Deanne, you're no stranger to our Stonewall show. You performed on it a couple months ago. That's Did a great right. job. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. If anybody is listening. It, it was, except the hecklers in the front. <laughs> oh, they were just enthusiastic. They weren't heckling. They, they were, were. Just like trying to be a part of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we don't need your right. help. Right. A different kind you. of heckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was just going to say, if anybody's listening and hasn't gone, you got to go. I'm, I'm relatively new to New York and... um just feel like a country bumpkin at all times. But I walked in and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot of pretty ladies here. I mean, it's like just jam packed with cool queers and it's a great show. Right. That's my angle when I'm trying to uh, promote it. I'm like, maybe you'll have a meet cue, mm-hmm. uh, laugh alongside queer hotties, like really stressing the fact that um, not only are you going to have a good time with comedy, but you might you know, have a have a cheeky pash at the end of the night. Are you familiar with the term cheeky pash? Oh, Deanne? of course I am. I've spent a lot of time in Australia. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. That's right. You have. Okay. <laughs> this is a term well, we just learned. Yeah. And we'll and we're overusing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any pash is a great uh, word. It's it it sounds like what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh well, Deanne, it's your turn. We gotta know. What's the gayest thing you did this week? I'm pretty excited about this. I had to think about this today. And then I realized that I did three pretty gay things just today. So I'm going to tell you them in what I believe is the order from maybe not the gayest to the most gay. And then we can all decide together. Okay. Okay. Yes. Let's let's see. I got to put these guys in order. Okay. The first gay thing I did today was I decided to keep a jacket. I don't really need because it has huge pockets. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're off to a great start. The second thing I did was I um, gently massaged my chest for five minutes with a bit of self-love, okay? And (laughs) that was in the shower. And the third, I think this is the gayest thing I did today, was I texted my ex about watching my rescue chihuahua when I I go away for shows for the next three, four days. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Also, the is, fact that it's a chihuahua. I mean, a lot. So many dykes I know have chihuahuas. I know. I had, I had to go and rescue breed? to make it even gayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. This is really the turducken of gayest uh, things. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was an appropriate ranking system. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. And yeah. And why yeah. do so many lesbians have chihuahuas? I don't know. I think I think they're overrepresented in the rescue world, maybe. So they're kind of easy to find and scoop up. Oh, yeah. Right. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I did have a rescue chihuahua when I was a kid. That's true. Yeah. I didn't know that about you, Melody. Yeah. Becky. I named her Becky, Becky. after Aunt Becky from Full House because, oh, quote, Becky's one. really nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not really even. Nice. And really hot. <laughs> really nice. Yeah. I wonder yeah. why I was so obsessed with Aunt Becky. Right. <laughs> She's just really nice. <laughs> Deanne, I have a question for you. Uh, how did you achieve the liberal American dream of becoming a Canadian? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so this is uh, I need to put it out into the universe. Citizenship remains pending. Um, it's been pending oh. since freaking October 2019 because COVID oh, slowed everything okay. down. Um, but I've been a permanent resident in Canada for a very long time. And yeah, I got into the country, get ready for this, officially by gay marrying a Mexican mime. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I did not know this about you. Let's go. Uh, Let's fucking go. That's how, that's how liberal Canada is, right? They're like, and yeah, yeah. the Mexican got in because she wanted to go to mime school. So it was just this lovely liberal chain of events. Wait a minute. So you were, 
just tagging along. Well, we were we were partners, you know, we were together, we lived together right, in right, Mexico. Right. And then she's like, I want to go to Canada. And I was like, let's do it. And then so the way I officially immigrated was through like a sponsorship visa through her. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Canada, you know, they need more mimes. They have to support it any way they can. Uh-huh. Yeah. This this all happened in Montreal. Le Col de Meme. Um, okay. I was going to say, like, I'm pretty, I'm sure it was um, Montreal. I feel like that's the my market. Yeah. gay cousin went, took like circus classes in Montreal. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like Montreal is really big on like mimes, juggling circus stuff definitely it's a hub for that type of activity yeah so in in because i'm a little bit not a little bit probably quite a bit older than you guys in the year 2000 when george w stole the state of florida yes yes i was like i don't trust this country anymore and then i just (laughs) went to mexico for a while and then uh on the way back years later just skipped over the u.s and, and went to canada Wow. And did you know any French before moving to Montreal? No. And do I know French now? Barely. <laughs> um, yeah, you can get away without it. I know. It's it's sad, but I but I did because I was always traveling so much and kind of I did avail myself of the free French classes offered by the government. I took like one course of those, which was really fun. Nice. So there was a moment when I could like mildly interact with people on the street. <laughs> and then from there it was English. Otherwise you're just miming, right? Like Pretty, I mean you can get away with a lot with miming. <laughs> so follow-up question. Yes. Well, actually a few, but one. You were in the Comedians of the World on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Special. And this was this was one that got me because you were there as like representing Canada. I'm like, what are these rules? Because I believe Mae Martin was representing the UK. Isn't and that I'm funny? like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like and Mae Martin is Canadian. You yeah, I'm American. American. Um, and I'm like, they're really loosey goosey with these. They where are in the world these comedians are from. All. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was living in Canada at the time, had started comedy there. And uh, I think that's, I don't really know who like scouted that or how they figured it out, but I guess they just went like, wherever, yeah. wherever they are is where they're from, I guess. Um, sure. Yeah. Right. All right. Cool. Because I, I think that made me think that you were, well, that and the fact that you're uh, best friends with Jess Solomon, mm. I just assume, like, I always forget that you aren't like originally from Canada. Yeah, I know. That's and good. I, I love that. It's good to get away with that. I yeah. think it's good too. Um, <laughs> I'm just learning this. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I, I see Canadian. Canadian, right? Just kind of you a do. quiet, nice, polite type of Very person. Polite. Yeah. Really um, Canadian vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm originally from upstate New York, so not too far. I think we have like, right. if there's an accent, it's kind of the same. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. That tracks. So I'm no longer with the mime, which which may have prompted my "Do you think this marriage is going to last?" question. Um, right. But which is just to say that my my partner now thinks really makes fun of me for having like a midwestern vibe, which I have to admit yeah. is true. I never never thought about it before, but it's pretty true because I'm always like, "Oh, geez. Oh, gosh. Can't believe. Yeah. It. There's a definitely something. The politeness. Too. Yeah. I mean, I, I got that after college, like nobody had said it to me during college, but then I moved to uh, the South to Atlanta and everybody would ask me if I was from the Midwest. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm from Montreal, but then I grew up outside Buffalo. 
and they're like, oh, that's why. I'm like, wait, Buffalo's not not the <laughs> Midwest, but it's like same as outside Binghamton. Like it's all kind of that. Yeah, that's right. Same culture. Like anywhere that's not New York City is like pretty. <laughs> it's the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Where do I seem like I'm from? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm sure all your listeners already know. Um, where do you yeah. seem like you're from? Okay, let's. I'm going to work through this. Um, yeah. You do. You seem savvy. You do seem like city smart Hell in a yeah. way. Um, I don't know you very well. I've only really spoken to you at your own show and right now. Yeah. Um, you. I'm just going to. Based on what I know, you're you're free talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> your partner yeah. seems to be so from the south. So we're already on a coast. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we're probably on a coast. Now it's like, are we on a coast? Is that a clue? Oops. Okay, so now we're going yeah. east coast, west coast. I mean, to me, you have east coast vibes, but that might just be because that's where you live now. I want to say, listen, I'm not going to say New York, but it's not exactly Boston either. Mm-mm. I'm, I don't know. I, I would land on it though. You're saying no, but I guess I would be like, like Somerville, Massachusetts or something like, yeah, like you, you know, know what? that's pretty close. It's close. <laughs> I'm from um, Hartford, Connecticut, which is the halfway point, sort of literally a hundred miles each way in between Boston and New York. Okay. So. That's a pretty good guess on my part. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know anything about Hartford really. Um, is that where Yale is or near? Uh, Yale's in New Haven. Connecticut's oh. so tiny, though. It's, you know. So what's the vibe in drive. Hartford? Hartford, um, it's a very, there's a big Caribbean population there. It's it's a tragic city. I mean, literally, there's a collective there, or at least there used to be, called Sad City Hartford, where, like, <laughs> everyone's always trying to make it cool, trying to bring culture to it, but, yeah. like, ultimately failing. And it's tough when you have these major cities so close by, or other pockets, you know. It's, they try, there's a unfortunate interstate that runs right in the middle of Hartford that kind of, um divides the socioeconomic class it's just like poorly planned city um Mm. there's not much going on it's the insurance capital of the country so interesting okay all right this is all i did spend my 20s in chicago maybe that's the city savvy yeah okay i could see that i could see that yeah yeah but the midwest took a lot to get used to coming from the east coast going to chicago where a lot of people do move from the midwest like super polite and it was alienating yeah, I I like yeah. Chicago a lot, but I've only visited a few times. I love it. Visit in the summer and fall in love. Yeah, Chicago reminds me a lot of Toronto, but that's what people say that they're yeah. very similar. I've never been to Toronto or Montreal. I've only been to Vancouver. Oh, okay, really lovely. What there. time of year? Um, late spring. Beautiful. I've been a couple times. I have um a couple uncles there. Oh, cool. I got a couple uncles. That sounded shady somehow, just the phrase, couple uncles. (laughs) I know, because I actually don't like this uncle anymore. So, yeah, that came through. Great. Canada. (laughs) Um, My my partner and I fled to Vancouver, and I basically dragged her. uh, October 2020, we were living in L.A., and I was like, oh, I'm terrified of this election. We got to get out of here. So thought Bush was bad. Yeah, I know. I, listen, I didn't trust. I didn't trust either way. I was like, these Trump supporters, if he wins, it's a nightmare. If he loses, it's a nightmare. We're out of here. So we packed up the car, packed up the rescue chihuahua and just drove, <laughs> drove up the coast to Vancouver. And then we hit out there until like the end of May 2021. 
And then we were like, oh, we got to get our vaxes faster than they're rolling out in Canada. <laughs> so we came back to the U.S. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. A bit slower. So the ex who um, who you contacted about watching the rescue Chihuahua, that is not the mime, I'm guessing. That's also not the mime. That's my that's a Toronto okay. ex. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying X because it makes it gayer for the podcast and everything. I would like to think at this point, it's been, I don't know, three years, four years. We could just say friend, you know, I don't need to hold right, on to right. the X label. I sometimes think she needs to hold on to the X label. And then that I, I don't I don't like that. But, um, you know, at some point, it's funny that we do that, though. Like, <laughs> like, even if you're friends with someone for like, seven years, but you dated for like four months, you're like, Oh, yeah, that's my ex. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. And and I've never even thought about that. But yeah, at what point can someone stop being your your ex? Should there be like a rule around this? I don't know. We don't need to get any more identity politics here in our community. <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah, even yeah. need to stress about that. We have so much else. I yeah. identify as your friend, not your ex. <laughs> yeah. Well, I identify <laughs> us as exes. I mean, I still think there's like a bit too much tension in our relationship to like solidly be like, oh, we're just friends, you know, but I'd like to get right. Right. We'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe the Chihuahua can build that bridge. (laughs) It's a lot to project onto the Chihuahua. (laughs) Her tiny little shoulders. You're in Canada right now and you are recovering from top surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in Canada recovering from top surgery today is week three. So I think I'm about halfway through what they say is the recovery time. Right. When you said rubbing your chest, I didn't know if that was like doctor's orders. Like you have to give yourself like a self-care like. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's meant to be like a right around in week three, you can start. um, I think it's it's called like scar management. And so you're meant to spend like five minutes kind of like uh, massaging your chest and massaging your scar. And mm. I don't know, it's supposed to help supposed to help you heal. But I got to say, even even if it's not like physically helping me heal, I don't know if I have ever in my entire life spent five whole minutes with any part of my body every day just being like, hey, <laughs> buddy, what's going on with you? Um, yeah. So it's pretty it's a pretty fun practice. And it, it yeah. feels endless. I mean, you know how time can feel <laughs> You're like, well, it, you feel like so it's been five minutes, right? You look at the clock. It's like it's been 36 seconds. <laughs> like, let's just right. <laughs> stay with this for a second. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to be going to Canada to get the surgery, because I imagine that it is covered. This is where it gets tricky. Yeah, it would be covered. This is what I want to know. Yeah. But but I've been, um, you know, officially, you're supposed to lose your healthcare if you've been out of your province for six months. Um, So I've been out of Ontario for way more than six months. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe I could use my little healthcare card and my number and see what happens. But um, I ended up just paying for it because when you do it through um, the healthcare system, you, it takes forever, right? You have to get on a waiting list and it, you know, not forever. If you do it and you, and you're like, cool with whenever in the next two years, this comes through, I'm ready. That's fine. It's just that I didn't want to wait anymore. And I think I'm not totally sure, but at least a couple years ago, the way it worked was just something I'm just so anti-authority and I find the whole thing incredibly patronizing. Um, is at least a couple years ago, how it worked is that you'd have to submit letters you know, from a psychologist or from your doctor, like all this stuff. And and I don't know if this is still the case anymore, but it used to be that you'd have to be like, I've been living as a man for this long, you know, please give me my surgery. And I'm like, this is silly. And I don't want to do any of that. You identify as agender? 
Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, my pronouns are they, them. We'll see how things yeah. go as it evolves. I mean, you know, I have a bunch of jokes about, like, none of the language is perfect, and that's kind of the whole point. Like, um, right. I'm pretty much cool with whatever if people are nice about it. But I will say that after a few years of um, being kind of consistently they themed, it does feel very weird and I don't like it if somebody's like she, her at this point. I'm like, eh, sure. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- there was a time when I, I didn't really care. Yeah. yeah. I, I was asking because if the government's being like, oh, you've like lived as a man or that it's very much framed like without non-binary or agender people in mind. Um, like I wonder how, how that affects people's experiences yeah, of, yeah. of going through it. Here's, here's a fun thing that I did. I think it's fun. Um, I, when they were doing this, I just went ahead and got no nipples because Otherwise, what they nice. do is they give you like man nipples, <laughs> like out of what yes. they, whatever, like smaller, more right. manlike. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Keep them. Like once they're off, you can just have them. Like the the because what they do is they take they take them right off your body, and then they like right. the doctor will like recraft them into mm-hmm. man nipples and then put them back on. Yes. And, I could not wrap my head around that process. It grossed me out. And it was like, I just felt like, no, that's fine. I don't, I don't need them that bad. I I just couldn't stand the thought. I have enough like anxiety and a bit of maybe it's OCD or intrusive thoughts or whatever it is that if I knew that a man, like a doctor with a driver's license put nipples on me, I would never stop wondering like, is this how they're supposed to look? Are they supposed to be this color? Are they even mine? Or are they like this doctor's fantasies of what nipples should look like? I just, oh I would God. never yeah. get over it feeling like, like somebody else made my, <laughs> made my nipples. I just couldn't get over it. So they, I they, was going to ask got you about that process. Yeah. Um, because, uh, our mutual friend Ever Maynard recently got top oh, surgery. Yeah, I know. Ever, and, Ever sent me uh, yeah. the, the most like, um, in-depth, lovely email with like everything to expect and all kinds of ways to prepare and, and recover. Yes. Yeah. Um, so love sweet. ever, ever. So was really hung up on the nipple stuff too. Like how I, I got to make sure this. I got to get the nipples I want and ever wanted man nipples. It was yeah. like, they need to be hunky. You got to have them like trimmed a certain way, but ever was sending me pictures from the um, doctor's office and they have a booklet of all the different like designs of nipples they can really? do and some people get star shaped heart shaped nipples like and really have fun with it this is advanced um, wow I didn't I know, know about this my doctor does, and I th- does not provide that service oh really <laughs> <laughs> this was just uh, standard nipples standard I know nips. in Austin keep it weird um, <laughs> they but Texas they so I think <laughs> oh my god just a longhorn or the, and then a state of texas <laughs> they were i think because they looked at the pamphlet and they thought that that kind of tickled them um once they go under and they were on anesthesia one of the last things they remember telling the nurse was like you better make sure i have big beefy salami nipples i'm talking big because they were humoring themselves because that's very much ever's yeah, sense yeah, yeah. of humor and so ever 
Peter's laughing, like, and giggling, obviously from the drugs, but it was like, also, they need to take everything you say seriously and honor your request. Like, it's yeah, a big yeah. deal. So they're just like, okay, are you sure? And it's like, Heifer's like, yeah, I'm talking big. Oh, no. Can you make them bigger than they were? Because I want big <laughs> salami <laughs> nipples. Kept saying different cuts of meats. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I mean I eventually I think they understood that they were joking but <laughs> nightmare nightmare imagine if they like stop the surgery to make them yeah to make them sign off on that like yeah. hold on we have <laughs> a, a change here yeah it like I do wonder about the because also like does the color change I think it can, the the other thing that I just didn't want to deal with was um, so they graft your nipples back on and then, you know, most likely it's all going to work out for you, but maybe it won't. They could turn gray. They can fall off. You know, you can definitely like not have, not have sensation. Yeah. yeah. If you smoke cigarettes, <laughs> everyone was very paranoid about that. And someone was smoking near us and, um, or no, we were on FaceTime. Someone was smoking near ever. And I was like, I got to get away from the smoke. They said, if you smoke cigarettes, your it'll dry your shit out and your nipples will fall off. And so ever wasn't even running the risk of some secondhand <laughs> <That's> smoke. <laughs> That's very smart. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. I've been like riffing, riffing about top surgery on stage. I did a few shows this weekend. And then at some point, because here's my thing with nipples is I realized it just made me realized that I had opinions about nipples, which I didn't realize that I had. Um, one right. of which is like straight up men don't need nip. Men shouldn't have nipples. <laughs> like they, they, yeah. they should have evolved past it. Um, but then I was like, you know, my nipples before to me were like kind of so, so like they didn't, didn't have a lot of sensation. It wasn't really like, please go here area. Um, and that might have to do more with like body dysphoria than actually them. I don't know, but it wasn't like a part of my body I derived any pleasure from. So I was like, they can go. Um, but then I started polling the audience um, with three questions. So now I kind of want to ask you guys, I started asking people like, yeah, how do you feel about your nipples? Like, eh, like, or no, not great. Like, eh, whatever. Or yes, hell yes, my nipples. Um, and the audience is like, was pretty divided. I did this like three times and not too many people admitted like, oh, I don't feel great about my nipples. But every time someone would be like, yeah, not great. And then they were kind of divided into meh or hell yeah, my nipples. So let's talk Mm. about nipples. So my nipples. I mean, my answer is I feel like a little bit tainted um, from the L word because I feel like I need to have nipple confidence. Uh, so you're, you're I always hung up on nipple confidence. I'm, I am hung up on nipple confidence. And yeah, I, uh, after that, it did make me think about it and be like, no, I should be confident in my nipples and, and feel good about them. So I would say I uh, used to be more met about them. And now I'm like, they're great. OK, they're great. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm I'm happy with them uh you know I I love them they're they're good I'm not like I don't think about them that much um I wish that it was more because I have small boobs like so I wish I could go braless more except like depending on the material I'm wearing oh uh, yeah the chafing like uh like that's not fun but mm. but besides that I'm like I'm good with them yeah yeah could never go braless. Huge knockers. 
I mean, you can. It's just a question of what type of attention do you want to invite? Yeah, I do. I go topless sometimes at Reese Beach, the queer beach here. Um, I'm always afraid of the nipples specifically burning. Oh, yeah. And I do like my nipples and I don't want to complicate my nipple sensitivity because it's something I enjoy. Um, But yeah, that sensation of them. I'm still hung up on the top surgery, like just because you don't know if you're going to get it back. Like if you really enjoy your nipples. So, yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine what's that like. Or like I've hung out with friends who've gotten it and are recently post-op and they're like, whoa, I can feel the blood coming back into them right now. Whoa. Whoa. I can tell you the, the nuttiest thing happening to me right now. And I don't know if this will be like permanent or if it's just happening right now. But one thing they do is they you have your general anesthesia, but they also inject your chest with like a local anesthesia, um, which feels like it, it's the t- same type of numbness you feel when you go to the dentist, but mm. it's like all okay. over your chest. Um, and it's wild. Um, for the first two weeks, I didn't really know that it had happened. And then I remembered like, oh, fuck, the doctor told me that they did this. And then like week three, like different parts of my chest kind of started waking up, um, but it still feels like tingly, like, like the dentist but I have one thing which I've discovered through massaging the chest. Um, there are parts where if I touch it in one place, I actually feel the touch in a different part Ooh. of my chest. Huh. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, is it me? No, I think it's Deanne. Deanne. Frozen. Okay, hopefully they'll come back. Hi, what did I miss? And we're back. What did we um, miss? You were talking about, I was so intrigued. <laughs> the last oh, thing you yes. said was you touch here and you feel something there. And I was like, yes, on the edge of my seat. <sighs> I know the All world right. couldn't handle the whole thing shut down. We just, we lost <laughs> power over here. It was too powerful. Yeah. But I, I think Big Nipple was listening and they're like, no. <laughs> Big Nipple? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We can't we can't get it out there that you can not have nipples. Yeah. <laughs> We're shutting it down. Yeah, so I don't know. Is that like did something in my nerves get messed up? Is it because of the is it because of the local anesthesia? What is it? Who knows? We will, right. we will discover. It's still happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's not everywhere. There's just like a few spots where it's like I touch it here, but I feel it like four inches over this way. It's so strange. Well, yeah. I feel like we're going to get a lot of feedback and um, anecdotes because obviously a lot of our listeners. Yeah, have I need had to know. So this, we'll see what people say. Yeah. 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 Sound off. Uh, how? No, if you're going to sound off, sound off in the comments. How do you feel about your nips? 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, we're collecting data. <laughs> How long had you been wanting to get top surgery? Oh, what man. was like, was there like a deciding factor? I know it's something that a lot of people, like some people are like, yes, I definitely want it. Some people are like, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then, oh man, I'd like, I've been thinking about it forever. Like really, I've been thinking about it since I knew it was a thing that could happen. Um, yeah, you know, like in this is this is dark, but it's kind of true. It's like even in my early twenties, I was just kind of like fingers crossed. Maybe I'll get breast cancer. Like this is what I thought it had oh, to come right. to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it kind of I really needed to see other people make that step without transitioning to even know that it's right. possible. You know, I was like, oh, okay, cool, all right, we could get the surgery, but not have to say like I'm going to be a man now. Um, so right. it's been maybe, you know, eight, eight, ten years of me watching so many other friends go through this process. Um, and then I've been like binding for a few years and then just kind of realized like, this is what I want to look like and feel like every day. And really for a few years of like, and I'm pretty confident that, um, this is how, you know, I would want my body to be. Um, so I just yeah. did it. Yeah. But it, you know, it took a while, I guess, I guess one of the biggest blocks would, would have been, I don't know that I've ever taken such a strong action for myself, you know, like, oh, this is just something I want regardless of like literally anything else, how anybody else feels about it, how society feels about it. You know, this is just something I want to do for myself. So that was probably my biggest like mental block, not even necessarily a gender thing, kind of a self self-identity, self-realization thing. It does seem like like so many people are getting top surgery now. And as you said, like seeing other people do it, though, it's like helps you realize that this thing that you've wanted for for a while is also a possibility. But I think also like sometimes we forget how many people in our community, let's say 10, 15 years ago, would have just been binding for years and how uncomfortable that is mm-hmm. at least at least yeah. what I know from um from friends who who bind is that it is uh not not a comfortable thing to have so now that that top surgery is a little bit more like accessible and that there's more information on it um that that's why we that's why it seems like all these people we know are suddenly getting top surgery it's like well before they would have just been like uncomfortably binding probably before. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, re- this is kind of a joke, but it's also true. The reason it took me a long time too, is because like, honestly, guys, I had a sick rack. I, I, <laughs> it was sad to see it go. The world is not a better place since I've had top surgery. I'm, I'm probably mentally better, but the world as a whole has, is down one sick rack. Um, right. um, so it's not like I hated, you know, it's not like I hated that part of my body or anything. It was just like, okay, now this isn't me really, you know? Um, right. Yeah. And and yeah. one thing I did that helped out is um, I have to take it back to June, June 2020 for a minute. But um, in June 2020, I was living in LA, um, you know, feeling pretty depressed, pretty like helpless about, um, you know, how to contribute with the Black Lives Matter movement, just kind of looking at everything unfolding, going, Ugh, what is this world? And um, Sammy Mowry, a comedian out of LA. Yes, we mm-hmm. know Sammy. Oh, good. Yeah, did a fundraiser. Sammy was in Chicago. 
Yes, oh, I remember nice. this fundraiser. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I messaged messaged Sammy and I was like, "Can I? Would you mind if I like stole your idea and also did this?" So Sammy was um, giving away uh, like topless pics in exchange for a receipt that said, "You know, you've donated twenty five dollars or more to." any kind of Black Lives Matter organization. And I think Sammy might have gotten the idea from sex worker friends. You know, it was out there. People were doing this sort of thing. Um, Right. And then I jumped in and I just said, like, I just put it on Twitter. I made, I made like a teaser pick. Uh, My girlfriend and I went out in the backyard, made a little teaser pick. And I was like, for 24 hours, anybody who sends me $25, a screenshot of $25 or more, um, I'll send you a topless pick, right? Um, which is something, it's like kind of strange for me to do that to my my particular fan base. And I didn't really know what would happen. And then I stopped counting the donations once we got to like $30,000. Stop. Yeah. yeah. So all sorts of people were trickling in with like $25 donations. Some people were like, I got $600. I got a hundred, whatever. It's like people wanted to do it. They wanted to do something. And I guess they just needed a little push or a little, I don't know. They just needed a little bit of extra, what's the word I'm looking for? Incentive to do the right thing. Um, So having done that and like raised all this money off my sick rack, um, (laughs) I, I did another similar thing uh before the surgery where i was like you know what i'm a, i'm again i'm going to go get professional photos taken um and then i'm going to tell people like hey donate to this fundraiser the fundraiser for my surgery um and i'll send you a topless pic so i did that again and uh got the money for the surgery which was pretty cool but i had to be Whoa. a little wink wink about it cuz like cuz i did it on gofundme and on gofundme you cannot say explicitly i'll give you something in exchange for your donation you just have to be like hey oh yeah Hey guys, but I right. was like, P.S. I've recently done a photo shoot, and if you DM me about it, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, I do have follow up questions for sure here. I remember seeing this this fundraiser happen in, in June of 2020, and I remember being surprised that you were taking part in it because I would I thought, oh, I never would have thought that. Yeah. Deanne had a had a great rack. Um, but because I think like, well, because you you used to, I don't know Rude if you still do, like, wait, mark? hold on, no, wear a lot of like bow ties and like button up shirts. And usually yeah. like those are hard. It's hard to pull off if you have. Tell me about a it. Nice rack. I secretly needed the world to know that I had a sick rack before it yeah. got gone. Yeah, you, you, know? you were hiding. You were hiding. I it was hiding by, it. Right. And at, th- at that point. Um, I, I knew at that point, I already knew, you know, it's, I'm going to get a surgery. Like I, I didn't feel particularly yeah. attached to that part of my body in a way that I, I just thought it through for a second. Like, okay, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. Once you send it to right. a stranger, you can assume it is everywhere. Um, right. um, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. So I didn't have my face in any of, of the photos, but it is clearly me because I have, um, Distinctive tattoo, bow tie. A bow tie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did wear a bow tie, Carolyn, for the thing. I I had a button yes. shirt like this with the bow tie, um, so that people would know it was me. It cut off here, and then the shirt was open like this. Oh my of god, course. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I want to know, like, were were there any like guy comics? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That there pay, were, and that, I that, just, like you knew. Okay. Yeah, and I just was like, okay, no judgment. Here you go, fellas. Like if it's if you want to pay to see my sick rack, all right, you can have it. 
Um, but no one was weird with me. It only started to get weird near the end of the 24 hours. Um, and that's because it started getting retweeted by in unsavory circles, right? So like, for the most part, it's my people and everyone's so polite, so sweet. People were se- people were sending me topless pictures back. Huh. Um, and one of them, which I called like the bonus picture, it was me. And then I also held up Rudy, my little rescue chihuahua. And you could see like all eight of her little nipples. nipples. <laughs> it was so stupid. Um, so people were sending me back like pictures of their dogs. And, you know, it was all very cute and all very sweet. Um, and it stayed that way for the most part. It just was like, okay, this is getting on the edge of, of what I want to deal with when Big Jay Okerson retweeted it. Right. Um, oh, do you guys no. know him? Oh, yeah. I mean, not. Personally, yeah, yeah. but oh, I know who friends. he is. Yeah, yeah, he's a comic, you know, and he I, he has something to do with like skank fest, and skank it's fest, just like yeah. once you start getting into it, some of those fans are deeply uncool people. Um, yeah. I love Big J himself. Uh, I mean, I can say this. I also want to put in the caveat that like I don't know what he said online in the last three years. I just like know him as a guy that I run into doing comedy at festivals right. once in a while. So I know not, people like, who are friends with him, but yeah, also yeah, he, know that he's. he's in with the Legion of Skanks, which that's it. Yeah, he himself is a nice guy. Slip. I don't know yeah, what his he's friends like a are saying. Big but. comic, but his fan base does overlap with some, um, you real know, real unsavory town. bullshit. Yeah. Probably Nazi elements. Let's just call Absolutely. it like we see yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. it started getting a little like <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind yeah. of that kind of vibe, um, right? But only barely, and then yeah, and then it was over. Yeah, that's hmm. great. Wow, thirty thousand. Yeah. Over 30,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there were probably some people, pro- there were probably some idiots that like sent the same receipt to like me and Sammy or, or thought they were getting away with something. Right. Um, yeah. I can't right. imagine that was most people, but I'm sure there was some element of that in there. Imagine being like, I'm going to make this $25 really work for me. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. And the only reason that wouldn't have been on my radar, but the only reason that I, I know that is because they, they later, some people like um, confessed, right? They were like, oh, I feel bad because actually um, I sent it to you and Sammy. So they uh, look, confessed. Uh, yeah, like I made another donation and I'm like, whatever, dude, you have to live with yourself. I don't care. You know, um, oh, that must be weird just being so gleefully looking at like a nice rack and then having the guilt that you don't mm-hmm. deserve it and feeling like you have to own up. <laughs> That's so funny to me. I know, I love it. How are you going to raise money now? I don't know. See, this is the problem. Like, once I realized, like, man, these guys, these guys really could get a lot done. Um, <laughs> right. Otherwise, it'd have to be like a big comedy benefit. Like we did, we did an an online show, Melanie, and we raised what like nine hundred dollars for the Ochre Project. Um, had I known that we just had exchange nudes, yeah, <laughs> would have saved us a lot thousands, of thousands of producing thousands. work. So much yeah. producing, <laughs> so much producing and promoting. I'm like, wait, the wheels are turning. Should we add a tier on Patreon for titties? <laughs> I mean, right. honestly, if you're makers. okay with it, they're money makers it's like there was half a second where i'm like maybe i maybe i just keep this body and go the other way with it maybe i'm going full femme and i'm just gonna squeeze men for all they're worth um you know i get it i get it sex workers and good on you yeah right Um, whenever i meet comics who also strip and then they tell me how much money they make stripping i'm like i get that comedy is fun but really (laughs) lean into the other one that's if you have the constitution for it honestly yeah 
It's a yeah. great thing to do for a few years. Scoop up all that cash. Right. Mm. Scoop so it. much cash. All right. Changing gears a little bit, because when we asked you, well, actually, we originally reached out to you about doing the podcast like right before the pandemic. You were one March of like the, yes, uh, <laughs> you were something that was like supposed to happen like the week everything shut down. And I feel like it was just understood universally that like nothing w- was happening. Like, I don't even think there was a follow up that was like, clearly we're not doing this. <laughs> You're right. Like, I, yeah, I don't think there was. Yeah. I was supposed to visit New York and, and I was right. going to visit my partner. And instead she jumped on a plane and came to LA and then that was it. We just right, we right. down. Yeah. Yeah. But when we, you know, recently reconnected about this, it was when we still had uh, our format that we recently changed where we had topics. And I I asked if you wanted to dike out about like heartache and getting over heartache because we've had some listeners actually request that topic. So in thinking about that, did you have like any story or oh, um, that, wow. that came to mind that you're like, I can't wait to talk about this. And then we're like, never mind. But I think we can still talk about it because. Yeah, no, I didn't really I, I don't necessarily have a story that's jumping to mind. And once once you guys were like, oh, we're not really focused on a question anymore. I was like, OK, I just kind of let it go. And <laughs> keep thinking about it. But this seems so basic, but I do feel like I have learned this. So let me tell your listeners and then you guys please chime in. But I really think um, the best way to get over heartbreak is you have to do a clean break and you have to be disciplined with yourself. Thank you. Um, Yes. Give it time. So uh, don't jump right into being friends. Don't look at their social media. None of that stuff. You're on your own now and you're doing that for, I say, I think six months is a really good amount of time, however long your relationship was. And then maybe after that six months, you can, you can check in and and see if you want to like try to be friends or, or whatever. But I think really the only way to get over it is you have to do the sometimes hard work of having discipline about it. You hear that lesbians? I mean, enough is enough. I, one of my friends is, you know, dating gets really hung up on girls she meets and like I think she just really wants to be loved and she really wants to be in a relationship and whenever she has a breakup she still like kind of clings to it and wants them in her life so like maybe something will change and like she just it just hurts herself so much and recently um another lesbian had broke it off and was like oh no I don't want a relationship um and they're like well we still have our beers like let's finish our beers oh you're you're you want to go to that show let's go to that show next month like just like no time in between and i was at her house the other day where she got a text from her it hadn't even been four weeks yet since she had broken up with her and she was like i mean we live so close you want to we can go for walks again nothing expected don't want it to be weird but like we can go on walks right walks why Why you want to go on a spring stroll with like love in the air and like, you know, like what, what are you doing? It feels abusive. Yeah. You know, I I realized I didn't give you any background on me, but this, this is a lesson hard learned. Like I used to jump from relationship to relationship. Like I, and it was Jess Solomon who we mentioned earlier that actually pointed it out to me. Cause I, until then I was just like, Oh, I just keep meeting amazing people. I mean, it's just incredible how I keep, I just keep meeting amazing people. And it's like, Jess was like, or 
are you afraid to be alone? <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe, you know, like really there was no time from relationship to relationship. And in my younger years, I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, you know, I, the next one would be lined up, you know, like you're kind of, there's like a bit of an emotional cheating going on where you're like, oh, I think I know where I'm going next, you know? Um, yeah. And so I didn't even allow myself to feel too much heartbreak or, or worry about it. And that will catch up to you, lesbians. You, there will be a day where you are forced to do a reckoning of what all this stuff means. And, and Melody, I don't know your friend, the one you're talking about, but I can definitely relate to um, kind of clinging to relationships or wanting relationships to fill a hole that truly has nothing to do with romantic relationships right. and everything yeah. to do with stuff that happened in childhood, family stuff, things that were maybe missing there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we got to... Lesbians, we got to get to therapy. We got to address these patterns and quit bringing them into our relationships. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I also hated being alone. But if I was like dating someone and there were emotions involved, like, like, or just seeing someone that I felt so strongly about and it ended, I, I would be so offended. (laughs) I would be so hurt that like I always put up the blocks on every social media immediately. Like I need time to process and can't let myself even with this friendship breakup I'm going through right now um one of my good friends I've had to block on everything like and she still found a way to get in touch I forgot to block the girl on TikTok like it's just (laughs) like you know like you need time and space to process and it's not gonna happen fully and purely if you still have those ties and lines of communication open I've told a friend before that I don't know a single person who's ever regretted cutting ties with an ex. I don't know anybody who's like, I regret blocking them. I regret not talking to them for months. I wish we had stayed for because it's like if if you two are going to be like, OK, and in a place where you can be friends one day, then it'll ha- it'll happen. But usually it doesn't happen because you realize you you don't need them in your life. They they filled the purpose. They were there for a time. It happened whatever and now you're you're moving on. And um I just have like two friends in my life who handled breakups like very differently right now and one of them recently saw their ex on the street and it was their first time seeing them uh since the the breakup and because they had done all of the healthy things and, um, you know, unfollowed on social media, cut off contact, focused on themselves, focused on doing what they needed to do. They saw their ex and they didn't feel anything. So it didn't it was like, oh, wow. OK, so that happened. The other friend got a text from the ex like weekend derailed, weekend derailed, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like can't function because they kept like, you know, there's still pictures of them together in their Instagram, like delete all the pictures. And they're like, why? Like, I'm like, because you don't need that reminder. Just pretend they weren't there. Like, you know, you can archive them and bring them back later if you if you want. I don't know why you would. But like, you just need to like Shazam them out of your I don't know if that's <laughs> what the movie Shazam was about. But sh- Shazam <laughs> them out of your life. Get them out. Yeah. Uh, but OK, what were you going to say? Dan? But I think you're right about that, that like it, you never regret that and and 
And I just even want to say to the lovelorn, hopeful, romantic lesbians that are like, what if I cut them out of my life? I mean, truly, like if you are meant to be, if you do think like this is a mistake and you're going to get back together, like that can happen after six months of not talking. And and really right. the only way it will is if you give all that space. And, and if right. you don't, it's you're never getting back there. It's never going to happen for you. Um, right. But I was just, the, I feel like the, the healthiest breakup I had was with the the ex I was talking about earlier with the who's going to watch my chihuahua for a few days um and I thought you were going to say the mime because the communication really did have to <laughs> I always felt like there was a wall between us <laughs> um very silly uh so we broke up this is like I mean I was devastated when we broke up even though like many breakups the writing was on the wall for a while for a few months at least you know and I was traveling a lot and um that made it all very difficult but the funny thing is this happened like two days before I was flying to Paris to go to clown school um and, I, and we were kind of two nights away and I knew she like was having a hard time with how much I was traveling and stuff. So I was kind of like, so is there anything I can do while I'm away to support you or make you feel better? You know, like what, what can we do to kind of um, make sure our relationship's good while I'm away? And she was like, well, actually, I don't think there is anything. And then it was like, oh, is this like this is a breakup conversation now, which we didn't know we were going to have, but it was all right there. Which is just to say, it was literally like less than two days before I flew away. So um, she drove me to the airport. It was all very sweet and nice. And then I get on this plane and then I'm just like holding my little chihuahua, flying to Paris to go to clown school, just sobbing on the plane, <laughs> just nonstop crying for however many hours that flight was. Just a wreck, show up at clown school, clown school, show up at clown school, not having slept, just looking, looking like I've cried for two days because I have. And then met with, I mean, the energy of not just theater people, but like clown theater people, you know? Yeah. I told myself, just, you know, nobody knows you here. Maybe this is what you look like. Don't worry about that. Sure, you look tired, <laughs> you look blotchy, whatever. Fine, that's you as far as these people are concerned. All you have to do is get through this morning without crying, meet people, see what it is. You can go home and cry as much as you want after this, you know? And, right. and what I wasn't prepared for was like the intense energy because it wasn't just like, oh, hey, like, you know, my name's Melody. Who are you? It was like, I'm Melody. What are you? You know, like, there's just like that theater clown energy. Yeah, and I was like, I can't right. do this. Um, so that was kind of a hilarious moment in the breakup. And uh, the one thing I did that summer, that was at the start of the summer. But what I remember, which was kind of new for me, and very useful because I'm not someone that's used to acknowledging or feeling feelings. But that summer, I remember traveling a lot, driving around a lot. And sometimes like, you know, a song would come on or a certain part of a podcast and I'd, I'd have a feeling. And instead of like trying to run away from it, I would literally just turn off whatever I was listening to be with myself. And if it meant I was crying for the next 10 minutes, I was crying for the next 10 minutes. And yeah. I have to say like that breakup we were together four years. Um, I felt like I gave myself like a good solid three months to feel any kind of way I wanted to feel and not judge it and cry during clown school and cry during drives and do whatever I needed to do. And really it like took only about three months and I'm like, Oh, I'm over this. This is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's very similar to my divorce. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be an endless thing, guys. If you, if you allow yourself to feel your feelings. Don't fight it. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me about your divorce a little bit. I mean, my divorce, um, we were married for five years together for seven and, um, it, it just kind of like things were like very steady, fine, fine, fine. And then like slowly being less fine. And then all of a sudden, like, whoa, our, our marriage is ending. Like what, you know, it just like spiraled really fast. And then, um, and it it wasn't my choice. And um, when she moved out, I I was just like crying so hard. It just felt like you know somebody just like like so much of my life had just been taken away from me. Like we moved yeah. to New York to be closer to her family. Um, and I I was like crying so hard at night. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't breathe, or I was gonna like choke on my tears. Um, I was crying at work all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, and I knew, like, I knew deep down it was for for the best. Like I wasn't happy either. Mm -hmm. Um, I just try felt like I tried so hard to make it work. And uh I just like let myself feel it. And then one day it was like, oh, okay. I think I'm good. Like I think (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I really like think that's part of being like, like accepting, accepting that it's over, um, not really being in contact other than like the logistics of the divorce, um, and, uh, and letting myself feel everything and continuing on and like forcing myself to do things. And like, you know, like I kept doing comedy, um, mm-hmm. I kept, uh, you know, like going out and meeting with friends and going to work and whatever, and like just pushing myself, like keep going, keep going, but also like letting myself cry. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I I also yeah. want to say, and listen, you're talking to somebody, guys. I have a lot of exes. You know, I've had a lot of relationships, <laughs> a lot of breakups. I think it's true. I just want to remind any any currently heartbroken listeners that you're only ever leveling up. Like, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to leave a relationship that you're like, oh my God, that was the one for me. She was the best. Right. Your next relationship for is sure. not, not going to be worse than that. It's it's only going to be better. So it's, for it's sure. probably not even going to be the same amount of good. It's going to be better. Because you yes. know yourself more. You're better able to connect with people that that you vibe with. I don't know. Yes. Uh, people buy you drinks, people buy you things, your friends go to your friends, they'll make you feel loved. <laughs> I remember being so devastated after a breakup. I that crying you were talking about where you're like choking and like you feel like yeah. like it physically hurts so much. Yeah. I fell in love with my friends during that time again and just felt so loved and like it's a it's a really good reminder of all the love you have elsewhere in your life yeah that's the thing and you know you mentioned that it hurts I think there are scientific studies that it like physically hurts heartbreak is real yeah um indescribable yeah yeah like pain it's not great for you and and you can treat yourself like a little tiny baby treat yourself like you're sick do what you gotta do to, to let it be let it be a big deal because it does yeah. really fucking suck and yeah. mm-hmm. you'll be fine. And there's like hotter, better people out there for you. Yes. Onward. Love that. Ugh. Well, I think that's a good note to sort of wrap up on. Deanne, we do have one more question for you, unless there's anything else you want to oh. say on heartbreak. 
Not necessarily. I know this question is coming, but I feel like I need you guys to model answers for me because I didn't I don't know that I have an answer. Well, first of all, we have the question, which is some a new one we're trying out and we're kind of tickled by it. It is, of course, what part of straight culture would you like to appropriate? So we haven't actually answered this on the podcast yet, have we, Carolyn? Oh, are we? Right. No, no, we've only no. asked our guests and we've only had one or two. The The only answer we got was um, was the the shamelessness. Shamelessness. Of, yeah, yeah. That that heteros have no, no shame. What's your answer? Oh, I think I'm realizing now. I think it's very funny. The like the my wife is always right. Sort of. <laughs> sort of thing yeah like yeah you could have like a mug set and one is like mr right and then the other one's like miss is always right i yeah find that shit hilarious Me and too. i would like to appropriate that the kind of like ugh, you know my my partner here she's got all the answers and like you yeah kinda, it's kind of true but you're also kind of making fun of your partner i don't know i love that shit <laughs> i guess i do appropriate that on a regular basis like i'm always like hey you're gonna have to ask the missus <laughs> like yeah exactly right. <laughs> yeah i don't know ask my boss over here she's, yeah. she's in charge yeah <laughs> That is really fun. I feel like I I actually don't appropriate that enough, but could have no, some fun with it. Lean so into one. your lean into your inner Kevin James. All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe what that is. So funny. I mean, uh, uh, on the other side, I guess. Like um, speaking of my divorce, I remember one of the last things she said was like, "Are you gonna?" Um, make jokes about me in your in your comedy now and i'm like is is that what you're worried about that i'm just gonna be like some like hack like male comedian being Take like my, wife. So my ex-wife blah 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 uh you know yeah. how lazy was she like i like what, what do you think i'm gonna do <laughs> um on stage but then i was like well that could i would be fun to lean into <laughs> lean in I had the snarkiest anyway. response to one of my exes when they're like, are you going to make fun of me on stage? I'm like, what, what, what hilarious thing am I going to do? The time you cheated on me? Come on. Ooh. Right. Ouchie. <laughs> Comedy's supposed to be fun. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, at the time I definitely had some, some meaner responses to it in my head, but we're all good now. We're healed. We're healed. Uh, <laughs> Deanne, uh, thank you so much for taking out with us. Where can people follow you on social media? Oh, guys, go to uh, De- like Instagram. Twitter is Deanne underscore Smith. I don't have a TikTok yet. I probably will at some point. You can follow us at Diking Out on the socials. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. Hey, you can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this Um titillating conversation come on (laughs) i'll see you next tuesday are you thinking about getting into dungeons and dragons maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a dm or a player if that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. 
There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.